Genre. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Hello and welcome to the pilot episode of Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will analyze and celebrate Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez, senior staff member. <laughs> Today uh, is our first episode, so we'll be we're, we're going to be sort of talking about um, why we're doing this and where we're, we're coming from and our our past with Edgar Wright and the Cornetto trilogy uh, specifically, um, and everyone involved in that, and uh, just sort of talking about our general plans for the podcast in the future. For those of you who are maybe tuning into one of our shows for the very first time, yeah. uh, we are we were the hosts of Back to the Future Minute. We did 340 episodes of uh, Back to the Future Minute, and now we're sort of getting back to it with uh, Cornetto Minute, which is going to be sort of our sequel sister show to Back to the Future Minute. I yeah, guess. our next album, so to speak, I guess. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I I have also been doing Spider-Man Minute with my co-host Zach Luna, mm -hmm. who will be a, a guest on this show uh, occasionally, I would yeah. imagine. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy one minute at a time. For those of you who don't know what a Movies by Minute podcast is, if you've never heard of one, because you can't ever assume that your listeners have, um, the Movies by Minute format was sort of launched in earnest by Star Wars Minute, uh, which is a uh, podcast that analyzes the Star Wars movies one minute at a time. Uh, that's from Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson over there. And after a couple of years, they sort of let other people borrow the format and use it for uh, other movies. And Nick and I were one of the first people to launch another Movies by Minute show with Back to the Future Minute. Uh, and then I went on to do Spider-Man uh, with with Zach. And now Nick and I are back to do to tackle another trilogy in uh, the Cornetto trilogy. Um, so do you remember seeing Shaun of the Dead for the first time? I do. I really, really do. I will never forget. I used to work for uh, I if listeners of Back to the Future are uh, are on here that I, I think I believe I told this story. But when I was a youth, when I was a nippa, I, uh, <laughs> I I was a film critic for my local Texas hometown's newspaper, uh, the Mansfield, oh, that's right. the Mansfield okay. News Mirror, and the summer of two thousand and four was like my first sub summer on the beat, so to speak. So mm -hmm. I would get invited to advanced screenings up in like Dallas or Grapevine Mills. Um, oh. So like I would get, I saw the terminal like a month early. I saw like the village a month early and, uh, and it was, and I remember I would get invited to some and then I would be like, nah, no thanks. Or I just wouldn't go. And I got an invite to a movie called Shaun of the dead. And the log line was it's a, uh, it's a gut busting spoof of zombie movies from England. Oh boy. And I read that and I was like, that, 
Uh, by the way, keep in mind, I was in eighth grade. Yeah, sure. I read that log line and I was like, that that sounds <laughs> so Shaun of the Dead. Because like I I had just seen like date movie like a couple months ago or like or like I don't know I was in that I was like oh it's like gonna be like scary movie or the naked gun and I was like and it's, that sounds so stupid pass well the the word spoof doesn't help matters yeah but like at the time that's that's kind of like that was the closest approximation of what Shaun of the Dead was it was like oh it's this right spoof you know um, yeah so I was like that sounds stupid as hell. And everyone who made it should die. And I and I and I kept and I kept going on with my summer. And then uh, this was sort of at the dawn of my my film geekdom. And just through the grapevine, I can't even remember how, but I, uh, I just started hearing about Shaun of the Dead. Now it was crazy. Probably like, ain't a cool news, right? Probably was ain't a cool news. Uh, and it was like, oh, like Peter Jackson loved it, and Stephen King loved it, and George A. Romero loved it. And I was like, oh, I I messed up. I, I uh, so. I bought the DVD at Borders mm. as, as soon as it came out because it wasn't even at like Best Buy or anything yet. So I paid the, you know, $68 or however much a DVD cost at Borders <laughs> back then. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I think DVDs still cost that much at uh, Barnes & Noble today. So I bought my DVD and yeah, there on the, on the DVD is like Stephen King's like, I can't remember, is it Stephen King or Peter Jackson that's on like the DVD? Anyway, so... I sit down and I watch it when it came out on DVD. Do you know when this was? How how much longer uh, after that summer it was? I want to probably say like the autumn. Like as soon as it came out on DVD, I was like, oh, I I I fucked up. I I need I need to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I think I remember like waiting for it to be coming out on DVD, and then I saw it, and it uh, you know it blew my world apart it it like Mm -hmm. it literally expanded my comedic and filmmaking imagination yeah i think december 21st it looks like that's the date i'm coming up with which actually falls in line with my story because i saw it for the first time in a double feature on new year's eve uh with all of my friends um we all got together at my apartment on new year's eve and watched Shaun of the Dead and believe it or not Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> so for and Nick is laughing because he knows how I feel about Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Um so I that I saw in theaters. <laughs> so I literally back to back I watched one of my favorite movies of all time and my most hated movie of all time. Um so like back to back. And I felt about, I felt that way about Napoleon Dynamite uh, at the time. So I remember I was way more excited to watch Napoleon Dynamite because I felt like I knew what that was, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and so I didn't really know what Shaun of the Dead was. I think we just rented it on a whim. Uh, And, but I I was, I was so excited to watch Napoleon Dynamite that I decided that we were going to put it off. And so, we're going to watch Shaun of the Dead first, and then we'll top off the night with Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. Right. And we watched Shaun of the Dead, and I was I was flabbergasted by this movie uh, because I didn't know the movies could be like this. Like, I yeah. didn't know that you could make movies that, you know, mashed genres together and 
I didn't know the movies could look like this with all of those, with all of the cuts and stuff. Like it, it felt, it felt like, which is funny because it Shaun of the dead, not a big budget movie, but it felt like big budget Sam Raimi to me. Um, and I was like, this is, this is incredible. Like, I love this so much. I can't wait to watch Napoleon dynamite. Uh, and then absolutely hated that movie. And then I remember, I, everyone went to bed and I stayed up and watched Shaun of the Dead a second time. Wow. Um, so you knew yeah. what you were about real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I, I remember I took the movie back to the store after having watched it again. Uh, and I think we rented it. We probably rented it from like a family video or something, I think, at the time, most likely. Yeah. Um, and then I returned it. And immediately bought a copy of the movie Mm -hmm. um, and devoured whatever special features were on that first release DVD release, um, which I don't I don't remember exactly what was all on. It was like it it was like the alternate endings. Like Mm -hmm. I remember like the cartoon, the cartoons of like, right, like, you know, like Diane here. Here's what happened to this person or Diane actually. Right. Right. All that stuff. The stuff drawn by Edgar's brother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With like the gong. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely devour all of that and really just sort of got really into these guys like I, you know, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Edgar Wright. Um, but at the, at that point, I still don't think I had heard of spaced before. I don't think I heard about spaced until after hot fuzz came out. Um, but I remember following the release of Hot Fuzz, knowing it was from the people who brought you Shaun of the Dead. And I was like amped about seeing Hot Fuzz and I couldn't wait for it to come anywhere near me. And it didn't. The closest it came to me was in at an AMC theater in Indianapolis, which mm-hmm. was um, about an hour away from where I was. And so I I went an hour out of my way with the girl I was dating at the time mm-hmm. and we went and saw it. Um, and I don't I, and I think I would have been I mean, that was 2007. So I don't I don't even remember who I was dating at that point. Um, but so many Goyles. <laughs> well, I just I can't. I don't know. My yeah. memory is not what it used to be. <laughs> no. Um but I I remember we went and saw it and and she liked it fine and I wanted to watch it again immediately because mm-hmm. um, there's something about that that the ending of Hot Fuzz with the you know here come the fuzz like that yeah. music makes you want to immediately start it over and watch it from the beginning again. Well, that's you and 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 is. Is Hot Fuzz the only Edgar Wright movie you didn't like marathon two days in a row? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I saw it the one time and then I actually I went and saw it a second time at that theater in that same week because I was afraid that it was going to be it was going to leave the theater and it did. Um, I think (laughs) I was only there for a week. Uh, and so I, I went out of, I went out of my way by myself to go see it again. And then when it came out on DVD, I watched it. All the time. What was the first time that you saw Hot Fuzz? I saw Hot Fuzz at the AMC in the Parks Mall in Arlington, Texas, with mm-hmm. uh, my other best buddy, uh, my dad. 
Oh, my Paparino. I because it was rated R and I couldn't see it yet. And so, oh, right, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like right on the cusp. Wait, yeah, uh, two thousand seven, whatever. So I was, uh, I was, I was a teenager, and I just go up to my dad because, like, I, I have a really, I, I love my dad with all my heart. The way, the way you describe your dad to me in all the stories, because I've never met him, but in yeah. all the stories that you, you tell me about your dad, the way that you describe him is not unlike uh, a Mexican Jim Broadbent. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, uh, I can't imagine watching Hot Fuzz with your dad. We actually, now that I think about it, we do have a very like Danny Butterman and Mr. Butterman right? like relationship. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like I knew that my dad and I had like similar senses of humor because we used to like, he introduced me to The Simpsons. He he introduced me to, like Mel Brooks. And so I kind of just like threw, threw a Hail Mary pass and was like, look, there's this movie coming out. I really want to see it. It's rated R, so I can't even like review it for the paper because uh, I used to be able to. But then I gave Fahrenheit 9-11 like an A because I also knew what I was about real quick. And um, oh, boy, people, <laughs> the town like wrote letters like, why are you letting that little boy review get brainwashed? by? And they're like, OK, no more. No more R-rated movies, Nick. And I was like, fine. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, please just like take me to go see, take me to go see this movie. And I remember being kind of worried that he wasn't going to like it because I was like, is it going to mm-hmm. be too weird? Is he going to get like, is he going to quote, get it? I know that sounds so, so shitty, but, and then the movie starts and I'll never forget. He, he, he loved it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember him laugh and it, it, it's, it's a testament to, I think the reason hot fuzz really works it, you know, is is like all the meta stuff is great, but it does have like just some great physical comedy and just great like jokes. Like, oh yeah, like I I remember my dad like like chortling out loud at like what year's your birthday? Or like what when's your birthday? This day? What year? Every year? Get out! <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and so yes, yeah, so I remember being like really. In addition to how much I loved the movie. It it was kind of this like bonding moment of like oh cool like he my, my like this also is funny for like my dad's generation or like my dad uh, mm-hmm. it's like when you put on a record and like it's a new band and like your parents like it it's a little bit like okay cool so so yes yeah, so that was my and then I bought I didn't see it again in theaters but I did buy um, the big I still own it the big special edition mega ultra DVD set with like eight commentaries and like the press tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that press tour thing. Yeah, yeah. That's really what, what, what I think the reason that the, this trilogy is what it means to us, like means to us what it does. And that kind of the reason we're doing this is because this really showed me. And I think you, how fun it was to live the life of a filmmaker. Mm hmm. And I, it, it, it's, it's good that we were young because I think when you're young, you, you, you romanticize stuff a lot, but I think that's really healthy. So I think looking at these men who were then in like their late twenties, early thirties that were just clearly like best bros and making movies and always making each other laugh and like goofing off and telling, I was like that, what, what could be a better life than that? Absolutely. And so I, th- I think watching those, those DVD extras and tour videos was also like a huge part of you know that love oh yeah no absolutely it's and it, it definitely it made me fall in love with those guys you know yeah. like it's one thing to see them in a movie 
and absolutely be impressed between their performances in Shaun of the Dead and their performances in Hot Fuzz and how those characters are completely different, especially Simon Pegg's character. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and you realize like, oh, the, these guys are, these, you know, they're not one note actors. Like these are these they're legitimate actors, you mm-hmm. know, like they they're legitimate character actors. And this is really impressive. Yeah. Um, but that tour video, I believe, is outside of commentaries. I believe it's the first time that I saw Edgar Wright. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as a, as a, as a character in and of, of himself. Yeah. Um, and I, I just kind of fell in love with those three guys and their relationship and how, you know, just their, their sort of friendship and, and the way that they act with each other and make each other laugh. Like, well, and, and just the concept of touring a movie, you know, coming from the the music, my local music scene and being really into that, being into movies and wanting to be a filmmaker when I was younger and sort of giving that up at some point and then getting really into the the music scene and all of that and the idea of like touring with a band and everything and then watching that video and seeing them on tour with a movie it 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 blew my mind you know the idea that you could do that i don't know i think filmmaking is correctly not i mean not not inaccurately often painted as kind of like a very like soldierly uh solitary art you mm-hmm. know i mean like it's very collaborative but you hear you know like oh i you know it took me three five years to make this and i slaved away at it and I, I, you know, I, I put a pound of flesh in the editing reel and, you know, and seeing those, those like video footage of, of these, of these guys and, and, you know, and not to discredit like near a park and, uh, everyone else on the production side of things, you know, yeah, it, 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 it made it, it made it look really fun. Mm-hmm. When you look at filmmakers, you sort of get the sense that they make a movie and when they release it, they sort of let it go like a like a bird from the nest, you know, yeah. and they're just like, all right, see ya. Good luck. Good luck out there. I'm already moving on to my next thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have because like you have guys like Spielberg who doesn't even do commentaries, you know, yeah. never done a commentary or or I think maybe he's done one or something at mm-hmm. some point. But that but like, that's it. Like he he doesn't do commentaries as a general rule. Uh, and you have guys like that and it, it, it bums you out as a, you know, as a, as a person trying to learn filmmaking, because one of the masters of the craft is just like my movies speak for themselves Bye. and yeah, that sucks a little bit because you are getting to watch their films and absorb the films as they are, but you don't get to really hear the ins and outs of what went into making it because ultimately it seems like when they release the film, they're just like, yeah, that's it. The film speaks for itself. I don't speak for the film. I'm going to be over here doing my next thing now, but these guys make a movie and it's great. And then they say, look what we did. Yeah. Like, like, like look, gonna, at, look at what we did. Wasn't this great? Let's all share this experience together. And yeah. I think that's really special and cool and unique about, uh, about these guys as a sort of like a band of, uh, of, uh, filmmakers. 
they all of you know he he's made like five like crazy like rock concert movies mm-hmm. you know and like th- those are movies that you kind of can tour and and like and are, and are fun to like watch over and over again with people and it kind of increases i think there's a reason that there's like tumblr art of of edgar wright and like yeah and 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 nick frost and Simon Pegg because it, it it feels like a band it feels like a, a gang you know we both love music and we love like that kind of punk rock mm-hmm. mentality and that scene and like the the and it's almost more about the the scene than it is like the music you know mm-hmm. I mean or it's a big part of it and so as a movie nerd seeing people kind of s- uh, synthesize the culture of you know being in a band or being in a you know because like you know if I had, like I, I had friends back in middle school that like knew every member of My Chemical Romance and like what their favorite like comic book was and like what they ate for breakfast. Right. But but I had never really I didn't really think you could do that with movies in a way that wasn't like celebrity worship. Mm-hmm. And this was like no I like I love these dudes because of like the work that they're doing, but also because you know they seem like kind of aspirational adults for right. a kid. You know. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, you, so, so we've seen, so we saw Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, Mm -hmm. and then you get the announcement that Edgar Wright is directing Scott Pilgrim and that Nick and Simon have written a film that they're going to star in, not directed by Edgar Wright. Although Mm. I still have conversations with people who don't. Um, you know, those types of people that don't really have their finger on the pulse of, uh, you know, Hollywood and things that are going on. And so, sure, sure. and so, and so they, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. They just, they no, have they, better things to do with their time than yeah, what yeah. we do. Um, yeah, they, they know how to pay their taxes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I still have conversations with people who think like, oh yeah, Edgar Wright's movies are good. Well, except for, you know, Paul, which was just, you know, it was fine. It was okay. And it's like, oh no, that wasn't directed by him. And they're like, yeah, of course it was. It's got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in it as if they can't possibly be in a movie together unless it's directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. And it was very, in their defense, it was, it was very much marketed that way. Oh, for sure. Um, like from the creators of, uh, and, uh, it, it, it sort of reminds me a lot of how people still think that like Steven Spielberg directed Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. the Goonies. Yeah. Yeah. Or Back to the Future too. Or Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I I I when when Scott Pilgrim was announced, um, Scott Pilgrim was already like my favorite comic book at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like uh, the you mean the guy that I, I love that directed Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. He's going to direct Scott Pilgrim. That's crazy. What's that even going to be like? Like, I I couldn't even imagine what that was going to... So in order to do that, like at some point I was reading up because I followed the Scott Pilgrim production. Oh, yeah. I mean, every little thread of detail that came out about it. I was following it. And uh, at some point, an article came out that said, if you want an idea of what Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim might feel like, maybe watch the other thing that he directed about aimless 20-somethings, oh. the, the TV show Spaced. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, he directed a TV show? 
and it's got Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in it. Like it was like discovering, uh, uh, you know, like a, a secret origin um, yeah, or, or yeah. something because I, while our, you know, while B- British fans would be, of course, intimately familiar with Spaced as a television show, it didn't air here uh, in America. Um, we didn't even get legitimate access to it until the box set that came out, I think, in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I, I, I was completely unaware of Spaced until I read it in that article. And then I remember... It was one of the very first uh, Netflix DVDs that I got. Um, oh, I, I, right. I might have even, I, I think I might have even started a Netflix account just to get spaced and then never ended my Netflix account and still sure. have the same one to this day. To this, <laughs> but, to this very day. Yeah, but, but I think that was the very first thing that I ever got from Netflix was spaced. I, I can't remember when I like read or, or realized that they had a they had a show but i do remember reading that it was called spaced and i assumed that it was like a, a sci-fi show a sci-fi parody yep yep and i all, thought the same all, thing absolutely like, oh my god and then like then i was like oh it's about okay well that can still be cool but i i, I remember for like a few wonderful weeks i just imagined like a <laughs> kind of like that that new Orville show coming out, or that, or wasn't Nick Frost actually in a show like that? I think, yeah, I think so. Like, I think he had like a season of it. I f- I forget what it was, but mm-hmm. he's in he's been in a lot of weird, random stuff. Way more than I mean, Simon Pegg's had his share of weird, random stuff, but Nick Frost's filmography uh, is uh, he he has a crazy acting yeah. career. <laughs> it's all over you, the place. You, you, you've seen you've seen way more of his. Uh, non Cornetto films mm-hmm. than I have. Like you, you watch that television show where he was like a, like a, 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 a beleaguered working class man. Yeah, Mr. Sloan. It was good. Mr. Sloan. Yeah, it was solid. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of uh, Cornetto people in it because he because it had Olivia Coleman and uh, Peter Serafinowicz in it as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so spaced. Uh, I watched on those. Uh, from from Netflix. Um, I watched those and then I got the first two discs because when there's a special feature disc, Netflix, it was it was a crapshoot as to whether or not you'd be able to rent the special features disc <laughs> from Netflix yeah. um, and uh, with TV shows specifically. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so when I watched it and loved it, I watched both discs like I think twice all the way through, sent them back immediately ordered the box set and it was expensive at the time. I remember it was like 80 bucks. Um, Yeah, at the time, because, you know, all those imported uh, BBC, imported air quotes, uh, BBC DVDs were really expensive. Remember, like the first series of uh, Doctor Who was like $90 Mm -hmm. um, and uh, noxiously priced. And now they're not they're not like that anymore. But uh, yeah, so I got that box set, fell in love with it, watched all the commentaries, that sort of thing. And then um, Scott Pilgrim, I think, was the movie that. When I saw Scott Pilgrim, it was the first time. It was the moment that I realized Edgar Wright was my favorite director. Yeah, and like going up, I remember the school year leading up to Scott Pilgrim, Mm -hmm. reading all of the books except for part six, of course. And um, not only that, but like sharing it with all of my friends Mm -hmm. and like slowly infecting them with it too because I was just reading these books. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. Mm -hmm. It's 
clearly going to be the greatest movie I've ever seen. I need to like convert everyone now so that we can all see it in in August when it comes out. That's that's what I love about you, Nick, because like, (laughs) you know, most people would just be like, I'm going to, you know, they'd be really hipster about it and just be like, I knew about this before anybody else. And no one is as special as me because I knew about this before this movie and I'm way cooler than everyone else in my life who now all love it. But I knew better back when, um, <laughs> but you're just like, Hey, this is really good. And I want everybody to be on the same page as I am. <laughs> got, yeah. And it's, it's, it was great. It was, it was, it was, and I, um, I remember like in newspaper going like the class newspaper going on like Edgar Wright, dot com or whatever his website was called and he would post like a picture a day mm-hmm. edgar right here i think edgar right here yeah yeah and like that was also super influential influential to me because i was like oh you can do that you can like hype a movie in a really kind of cool non-obnoxious way like it, it, it was like i remember just like the photos of the castmates holding up their little doodles of their characters mm-hmm and like like that photo of Michael Sarah like rigged up to the the machine that would look you know with all the blue screen around him mm-hmm. and just being like oh it's gonna be so cool and just like the the movie in in the purest non hipster way possible it just looked so cool yeah and like I'm like gosh he gets to like and like and gets- and it it looked cool because because Edgar Wright directed it but also because Edgar Wright found his cinematic muse in uh, Bill Pope. Um, yeah. Who was like the cinematographer he was always meant to work with mm-hmm. uh, because every, every you know, all, the three films that he's done since then, um, you know, Pil- Scott Pilgrim world's end and now baby driver uh, were all Bill Pope and they all look phenomenal. God. And like yeah. that, I mean, I could, again, like Scott Pilgrim, like blew my brain open when I saw mm-hmm. it. And, but I just remember, leading up to it he just made making those movies look so cool like they would just be a photo of like mary elizabeth winstead in her wig like hanging out on like a couch mm-hmm. and i was like god i want to be there like i just <laughs> you yeah know, like uh and so that was cool that because like i never felt that way about a movie before like that kind of like behind the scenes studio pictures yep um and i remember I that also, first yeah. trailer hit Oh, yeah. Or I think first and only. I think there was only one trailer for that movie, if I'm not mistaken. There were um, two because I know one didn't have Invaders Must Die. Oh, okay. Well, it was definitely the the second one then. The one that was just like, I mean, to this day, I think one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, oh, like yeah. best edited trailers to music mm-hmm. that I've ever seen, you know? Would you ever get hyped when you'd be going to the movies and a trailer would be playing and you would get so excited for everyone else in the audience. Yes. Cause you're like, Oh, you guys are about to get your shit rocked. Right. Like, cause that was the best, the best part about those Scott Pilgrim trailers where it was just like telling America kind of, you know, and, and you know, we, we all know how it turned out, but at the time just like, Hey, in big, bold colors, like this is something else. Right. Right. Like this, this is not a Judd Apatow comedy. This is not a comic book movie. You know, this is not a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. This is and it like, you know, movies aren't are really just now starting to and I think it's because filmmakers that grew up on it are now coming of age. But, you know, the influence that anime and video games has had on like our psyche, mm-hmm. seeing that communicated on film for the first time was just like really 
like invigorating. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I saw it every day that weekend, um, <laughs> and then I saw it uh, four more times, um, like over the course of its very short uh, right, stint in theaters. So I ended up seeing it seven times. Um, one for each evil X and that, uh, ended up uh, driving me toward a more absurd number for the world's end, uh, when that happened. Um, Mm. but the world's end, as opposed to Scott Pilgrim, the world's end had very little marketing prior to. Yeah. Very little fanfare, very little. Yeah. There was, there was very, it was very easy. Like I, I had decided that I didn't want to know anything about the movie because right. I, I knew it was the third in the Cornetto trilogy. I knew it was Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I knew Simon Pegg and Nick Frost were back. And that's basically all I knew yeah. about I remember the movie. On, and I remember on Twitter, Edgar Wright like said something like, like, Hey guys, you know, uh, the trailer gives away a little more than I would like to, but still check it out. And like, that was enough for me to be like, Oh, I'm not watching anything. Yeah, no, I, I have, it was, it was easy too because there wasn't a lot of information about it other than yeah. the, the trailer, but yeah, I avoided everything. So I didn't know anything about the movie. I didn't know what any of the characters looked mm-hmm. like. I didn't know what the genre was. I, I didn't know anything about the world's end at all to the point where, uh, there was the, 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 what I did was when the trailer got released, I watched the first five seconds of the trailer to know what to look for. So if it played in a theater while I was watching another movie, I could leave the theater. Oh, right. Like then them getting into the car. Right. And we're, and we're back. Yeah. So I, I figured out that it was Simon Pegg saying, and we're back. Uh, and I knew that that was the world's end trailer. So I knew when to duck out of the theater anytime it played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that several times over the course oh, of like yeah, the two too. or three months that uh, it was in uh, rotation at the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I went to a Cornetto trilogy screening in Cincinnati. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and saw all three of them uh, in a marathon screening and uh, saw The World's End for the first time. That was also the night, I remember, because it was a huge uh, buzzy thing that was happening between, um, cause you take a break between the movies. So like mm-hmm. in the break between Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz, everyone learned that Ben Affleck was going to be <laughs> Batman. That's right. That's right. Um, and, uh, and I remember like, co- like coming back and like talking to, to my girlfriend, just being like, wow, oh, Ben Affleck's going to be the next Batman. She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was just so guy. weird. And the cool thing was that the theater I went to like serve beer, so I thankfully got to drink beer while watching The World's End for the first time. Oh, um, nice. Which was uh, much more important than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going in, <laughs> knowing nothing about the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, this is really. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember leaving the theater after The World's End. We were walking back to our hotel because we got a hotel for the weekend because we figured, well, if we're going to go to this in Cincinnati, let's hang out in Cincinnati for the weekend. Yeah. Um, and so we were walking back to the hotel. And uh, my girlfriend was like, so what did you think? And I, cause I was like really quiet. Sure. Sure. And she was like, what did you think? And I was like, I don't know because, <laughs> because the thing about it is I think when you go into a movie with expectations of quality, but absolutely no expectations for plot 
character, anything. I mean, when the when the twist in the world's end happens in the bathroom. Right. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I thought I had the movie figured out and was having a good time. But then that happened and, you know, everything happens after that. And it goes into this crazy science fiction thing that I was not expecting at all because I knew right, nothing right. about it. Um, and so it became very overwhelming and I didn't know how to deal. And I remember the next day we went to the aquarium and the Cincinnati aquarium sucks. So we were there for like an hour and then we left and then we tried to find some other stuff to do. And then eventually um, she was like, do you want to go see the world's end again? Cause I can't stop thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, and you were like, I love you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, so we went and saw the world's end again the next day. And I remember leaving that second screening and just going, that movie's working on a level that none of his other movies have ever worked on. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I can't, I cannot, this is, it sounds stupid because it's like freaking two years away, but <laughs> I can't wait to just dive into the world's end. Because mm -hmm. I feel like there, there's a sea change going on with that, with that movie mm -hmm. um, that I, I remember Slash Film just posted like, why the world's end is like secretly Edgar Wright's best movie or something. Yeah. And, and I'm like, Oh yeah. So I, I, I really hope that we, we time it just right to where like we can kind of help get that narrative going. Yeah, no, I hope so. Because yeah, after seeing it that second time I went on to in like the month it was in theaters, I went on to see it 12 times total one for each pub on mm -hmm. the crawl. Um, and every time, like I was never bored. I was never sick of that movie. Like every time I watched it, I was learning something else about how that, what, what, you know, another level that that movie's working on, just another detail or another, you know, narrative uh, device or another, just, just everything that's going on, like the foreshadowing and the layering and just mm. everything that's happening in that movie. Yeah. And it was at that point that, you know, I, you know, after, after seeing it 12 times and probably another, at least another 12 since then on Blu-ray, um, I, I mean, the movie's a masterpiece. It's an absolute top to bottom masterpiece. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about it. I'm right there with you. And that's not to say that his other movies aren't phenomenal. Like he's, he hasn't made a bad movie. I mean, I haven't seen Fistful of Fingers, but as far as the movies that were widely released, uh, he hasn't made a bad movie. But The World's End is just working on such a deeper level than I think the other ones are. Mm -hmm. And the other ones are multi-layered with lots of foreshadowing and doubling and all, all of that stuff is there, but not at the um, sort of like narrative philosophical level that yeah, the world's it, end is working on. It, it's just saying much more nuanced adult things about like manhood and mm -hmm. friendship and, and nostalgia and, and nostalgia and like what growing it's doing. up and yeah. maturing and all of that. Yeah. And like humanity, like what, what, what is, what makes humanity mm -hmm. an experiment worth continuing and addiction. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just it's it's a mood the movie's absolutely mind-bogglingly good. And the people who don't like it, 
When somebody is like, ah, that's my least favorite. I don't really like that one. I know two things about them. One, they've only seen the movie once. And Mm -hmm. two, they're not the type of person to watch a movie the way that I think Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg write movies and make movies. They right, don't like, like they don't watch them to just be like just to sit back and absorb, right? You can do that and at a certain level movies like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz work perfectly on that level. Yeah. But I think you're missing a lot of the work that they put into their films mm-hmm. if you are just sitting back and letting the movie wash yeah. over you and not deep diving and analyzing how it works like the ins and outs of the movie and yeah. because whenever you do that you are rewarded tenfold yeah and, and that and that's yeah. kind of what i so i started to interrupt but like you know sometimes i'll in, in conversation i'll be like yeah man we're doing the we're, do, we're doing the cornetto minute podcast like scott saw world's end 12 times in theaters and and you know <laughs> so, sometimes like i'll get a look at you know, i like first, that, that's part of your pitch <laughs> Yeah, like in case you don't, in case you don't think we're we're qualified, um, and so they're like, and they'll just kind of stare at me like slapjaw like twelve times, and like, but here's the thing though, it's not that you're seeing a movie twelve times; it's that this that a movie is worth seeing twelve times. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of it. I, I keep thinking about when you you being like, you know, the the whatever, you know, lowercase you, when you put on like a Pink Floyd album, mm-hmm. or like a or like a Radiohead. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to OK Computer or you can listen to like Rumors by Fleetwood Mac and still find new grooves and nuances to it as the years go on and as you grow. And, you know, and I think that's what's so great about his movies is, that, you know, yeah, you, and you hit the nail on the head. You can totally watch Hot Fuzz as just like a great comedy. Mm hmm. Just like a fun, quotey, like comedy, but then action, action, comedy, action, satire, kind of yeah, thing. Just totally. like yeah, oh yeah, this is a fun watch. Mm-hmm. But if you if you do want to get a little deeper, if you do feel like popping it in and getting obsessive, then there's even more. Like it, it's almost like, and I, you know, from what I've like read and overheard and studied about the way Edgar Wright conducts himself on set, it it is such an immersive experience for him. He is giving like a hundred percent of his, of his brain and his heart to it that mm-hmm. it, it's, it's so cool that it's worth exploring that deeply. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's this great video that we saw that I, and, and you can take over about like how like comedies kind of look shitty a lot of the times. Uh-huh. And I think it's because they don't, sometimes they don't, they don't care enough to have the depth of, of, of these kind of these movies. Right. Yeah, most most comedies I would say are really just being made to make you laugh in the theater the first time you see it and that's the end of their goals. Yeah. Um I think that, you know, Edgar and Simon know that the best comedies, the ones that you love, the ones that you watch over and over again have more going on in them than just jokes. Yeah. And I and I think they made three films together that do exactly that, um, which culminated in The World's End, which, as I said, is a masterpiece. Uh, and I mean that in every sense of the term. Um, yeah, it feels like the end result of something. Right, absolutely. 
so so yeah, so you know, our our plan I think with this podcast is to you know, we're not just going to be a, a podcast that just reiterates jokes like, ah, wasn't it funny when they said this in this minute or whatever. We're going to sort of dive in and really take a deep, hard look at what makes these movies work and why, both from a visual directorial standpoint, from a screenplay standpoint, just everything that goes into these films and and just what makes them work minute to minute, how and why, you know, choices were made and what, you know, what this means and why this is like foreshadowing for something that happens later and all of that stuff. We're going to sort of get into all of that. And now, you know, we're going to start with um, Shaun of the Dead in that minute by minute format. Uh, and that's sort of our plan with it is to really deep dive um, on everything that makes these films beyond just simple comedies that they are sort of the best that cinema has to offer because they're not content with just being one thing. They need to be deeper, bigger things that have so much stuff going on. Um, and I think that that's uh, important to analyze and something that, you know, as Nick and I are writing partners and, you know, wanting to get into filmmaking professionally, I think it's important to look at stuff like this and figure out what makes these movies work because we, I, I think you and I are the same in that we wouldn't want to just make a movie. You know, we don't want to make a movie that's just like an accident, like accidentally good. Like we want to make something that we put our heart and soul into and really, uh, you know, put get the layers on. Yeah, um, yeah. With, and with theme and character and all of that stuff. And we're going to be talking about all of that on this podcast. Yeah, That's the whole and, point of this. And really, like, what... And, and, and I think the, the, the biggest reason why there's really no other trilogy that I, I would want to do another... I, I think the reason this lends itself so well to this format is because there's there's literally something going on in every frame of this movie. Yeah. Of these movies, and and that was a super important lesson to learn as as a filmmaker was that like you know film is such a invigorating powerful medium you can have you it's possible to fill every frame with with meaning and humor and like just world and and so that was so I, I yeah I, I can't wait to really just like get into that and mm -hmm. just figure it out and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it with us. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get started with Shaun of the Dead in October, first week of October. Uh, however, before that, uh, to keep new content hitting the th the feed between now and then, uh, we're going to be releasing uh, a rewatch podcast on Spaced because we figured we're going to talk about it all the time. It's going to come up a lot when we're watching Shaun of the Dead, especially. Uh, so why not just do a rewatch and, you know, talk with guests about Spaced and really get into Spaced. And I have some ideas of stuff that I want to do on the Spaced rewatch show, um, but that's where we're going to start. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly when uh, those are going to start coming out, um, but soon it might be like the week after this pilot hits or a couple weeks after, but it'll be it'll be really soon. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. If you've never seen Spaced, it's on Hulu, so you can watch it there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the DVD yeah. is no longer $80. That's very true. Yeah. You could just get the DVD if you wanted to do that. Um, it's basically like getting two Edgar Wright movies uh, because each is uh, each season is about um, two and a half hours, right? Mm-hmm. Three, three, no, three and a half hours. Sorry. Each They're season's right. three and a half hours. Um, and, you know, it really feels like a, a movie and a sequel. Uh, in a lot of ways, because they're they're long, you know, three and a half hours isn't short, but it's uh, it doesn't feel like a regular TV show because it is much, much shorter. Um, so, you know, go uh, go check out Spaced if you haven't seen it, because we, we're going to start uh, talking about the first episode. Uh, that'll be the next thing to drop in the feed. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will I'm sure we will be getting like a Facebook group going for this. Uh, it'll probably be called uh, the Winchester. Of course. Um, luckily, there's a there's a pub in each in each movie, um, and so uh, you know we'll have the we'll have it called the Winchester for the first season, and we'll probably change it um, for the Hot Fuzz season and the World's End season. We'll have a Facebook group. We're on Twitter, Cornetto Minute. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Cornetto Minute if you want to follow our main page. Um, but we will be getting a group going, and and I'm sure that we'll. Uh, We'll talk about it when we do. And uh, yeah, so we will uh, talk to you guys very soon with the first episode of Spaced. See you guys later. Bye.